Hello and welcome to this week at the movies. I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And we have we're gonna have a blood sucking good time uh, tonight as we look at the new horror comedy Renfield, which is a version of Dracula this time played by one Nicolas Cage. And then we will wrap up by looking at a couple of other people who played Dracula, including one that said it was presented by Wes Craven, who probably rolls over in his grave thinking that his name is attached to it. But we'll get to Dracula 2000 in good time. First, Eric Renfield out there. You know, this time last year we had Nicolas Cage playing a version of himself in a movie that was surprisingly engaging and very funny. So I had some high hopes for this one. The trailers with him and Nicholas Holt and Aquafina are pretty first rate. But did you like the movie? Okay, you really want me to go first on this one? <laughs> yeah. So, around last year this time, like you said, we had Nicolas Cage playing the internet's idea of himself. And he seems to have gotten on board with w- what people expect from him entertainment-wise. Then, he tackled one of three characters, Dracula, Captain Nemo, and another dream role of his that he always wanted to do. And this is his, like, his Dracula, his his goal. And you know what? He is great and also the least interesting thing about the movie. And to me. And you know what? Who? Okay. So if I told you that there was going to be a crime drama that brings the concept of Dracula from the original 1930s movie into the modern day by slipping him into a Godfather-esque crime family that protects him and, and against legions and whatnot. And there was there was a whole epic saga of a police officer that's trying to keep clean in an age where her father was the only clean cop who fell in like a, a LA filled crime ridden world. And at the center of it all is Dracula's henchman Renfield, who is trying to find a way to like make himself be at peace, the wrongs of his past and deal with the manipulation of all of it. Would you think you could get through all that in an hour and a half going as quickly as possible because no. you can't. We've proven that you can't digest all of that type of story in an hour and a half. And that makes everything about this movie that is so great for how over the top and hard they go for it feel flat and frustrating sometimes that they can't do it. It's like someone had an idea for a crime drama Dracula movie. And someone told them, well, if you're going to do Dracula and you're going to do vampires, what's hot right now is what we do in the shadows. They did a quick Google search of the posters for the TV show of what we do in the shadows and thought, okay, well, that's how we'll make it look punchy, punchy and actiony. And this thing was birthed that goes, we literally saw a guy get his face torn off. Okay. A, a human being literally like, like, and applause for that. Totally unnecessary for the story you're telling, but they went for it. And, oh man, I I am ultimately, I am split down the middle to the point that I have to say I'm neutral on this. I'm not a thumbs up or a thumbs down because like everything I love about like his, his weird mishmaxed California accent and whatnot take take on Dracula um, from Nicolas Cage to Nicolas Holt, who always goes above and beyond. 
no matter what, like ever since like Jack the Giant Slayer and with X-Men and with all the things that he does, he just seems to just kick it into high gear. Aquafina was not just playing Aquafina, like in Shang-Chi and some of the other things she's been in. So I thought she was great. I, I, I loved uh, particularly Schwartzman. Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. I always try to remember him from Middle Dish and Schwartz, but I can never remember the first name. It's Ben Schwartz. Yes. His, he had some of the funniest lines in fight sequences and things like that through there. I like, you know, like I laughed. I didn't cry, but I completely forgot it was an action movie. And then I was blown away with some of the stunt work. And then I was like, you don't need to be doing all this. But then they did it anyways. And I was like, huh. Whew. I agree with you. It was a lot. Um, and it was a lot. You know, it was only 93 minutes, which isn't enough to explore all that. But also, it felt like it was taking forever at times, which is a testament to them not doing any of it well. Um, unfortunately, like the funniest sequences in the film some of which actually don't even make the final cut are what you get in the trailer which was a little bit of a bummer i would have liked some more of the the idea that renfield's going to the support group and is initially going to the support group as a way of finding like victims but then the message ends up seeping in and he, he tries to change his life and the sense of pacing and time was very difficult to, to figure out and they're so poor they have to live in an abandoned hospital but somehow he rented like an apartment and bought a whole new wardrobe we never really see him doing a job there there were a whole lot of questions i had and you're right like nicholas cage i was thrilled for the casting i thought the look was really interesting I thought sometimes he was interesting, but he's a background player in this movie. The The organized crime didn't work for me. Like, the idea was fine, there. but didn't totally work. And I don't understand, you know, how the idea of familiars work then, how, how he could make all of them familiars and how they were fighting each other at the end it was a total carnage bloodbath at times they were going for comedy at times they introduce a sister for aquafina's character just as i mean her name her character name might have been plot device and that would have made more sense because that was kind of how how it goes at the end i i'm with you i give it thumbs neutral i didn't hate it but i thought there was so much potential and actually I would have been happier, I guess, in retrospect, seeing the whole thing. They had to have some of these other plots to pull to make Aquafina's character sort of relevant. But you don't get a sense of those other plots from the trailer, and I still could see how she was going to be part of it. I was more into the relationship between Dracula and Renfield, which you start out focused on that, but then sort of like falls by the wayside and the gets drop kicked off the whole, the second story i also the had a real hard time with the twist ending of what happens to his group friends i yeah that that like where was the passage of time how the 
How the heck did that I happen? Was, I was in a... Are you talking? Oh yeah, the very yeah, ending the twist very, with them. Yeah, yeah. See, to me, like, so there's two moments. There's when all of them died. Is when I started to second guess everything in the movie, because I was like, I was like, wait, why do things happen? Like, why are we following this one plot thread if we're not going to follow through with this? And why was his whole create his life in an apartment building a five second montage? And we're spending a whole bunch of time. On All like, those motivational posters. The crime we, stuff. We never even got to touch on. <laughs> there was a YOLO one. Like, this is so outdated. And then he has a wall where he just mapped them all on top of each other, which was hilarious. Yeah. So, but then there's that second end twist that you're talking about. And I, that, again, made me think, like, there are no rules in this world. <laughs> there's... Yeah, and it's almost like the way they did it at the end is to set up for a sequel. But uh, honestly, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless they come back and they set some clear rules, because uh, to be honest, like there's, there's like sometimes he eats a spider and that seems to make him more powerful than someone who ate an ant or some nonsense. But and like and Ben Schwartz comes back and he seems like of all the familiars, like the boss battle familiar who like takes more. But also, if Dracula perished, wouldn't that end the? And in many canons, it would. But yeah. But, Who knows? Well, and they have they left themselves an out about whether or not he's he's actually gone. I wonder too. It says it's based on an original concept story from Robert Kirkman, who did The Walking Dead and a few other things like that. And the crime drama part and the cop part seem very Robert Kirkman esque, but the the humor part and the support group feels like that was whatever this other it's, writer layered on. The director is Chris McKay, right? Um, no, who's the director? Yeah, Chris McKay. So, you know, he's worked on the Tomorrow War with Chris Pat Pratt, the Lego Batman movie he directed, and then, you know, he was working on one of the writers on there. I feel like it explains every like that was my gut feeling was that there was someone had a concept in a drawer of a of a crime movie that put dracula at the center of it right and then somebody came in and put this flavor of the year on top of it with all the comedy and the colors and everything and you know, it's very bizarre because with Blumhouse, there were so many people speculating from The Invisible Man that Renfield was going to be their next step into trying to let audiences Seriously. decide if they were going to have a shared universe. Mm -hmm. And this is nothing to do with Nicolas that. Nicolas Cage and Elizabeth Moss don't live in the same universe. No way! Not in our <laughs> universe, not in a cinematic universe. The, though though it would have been great to see something like when Renfield, if he were to stop eating bugs, he stops seeing the world in an overly saturated way. Yeah. That would be something. I don't know. Th this is I mean, the kind you of couldn't movie... find a more humorless adaptation of a of a horror film than The Invisible Man. I like <laughs> it fine, but you know, there's jokes and then there's whatever the heck's happening there. Elizabeth Moss is capable of, of jokes, but yeah. there, there was no, I mean, A Handmaid's Tale is funnier than The Invisible Man was. So, I mean, they're just, it was a, two different approaches. 
I just wonder, you're probably right. The When I saw it was a story from Robert Kirkman that gave me a little bit of pause because I don't, there's nothing about the previous adaptations of his work that's been done that is super humorous. But then you cite McKay, the director, and the things he's done are humorous. So I'm guessing Ryan Ridley, their other screenwriter, put that. And that, the marketing campaign is very much tilted in one direction. I thought we were getting a comedy. And this is sort of a comedy, but it's also much more of an action over-the-top gore fest than what you might have thought from watching the trailer. Like, there's a hilarious line in the trailer about her talking about bringing the devil Postmates that just doesn't make the movie. Honestly, from watching the trailer, and, and sometimes I try not to say these things at risk of, like, coming across as really dumb or, like, revealing how I truly am, but... I got the impression that Ben Schwartz and Aquafina were part of the support group and it was all just Renfield in the support group and they are all just friends. I didn't get, I didn't get, I guess I didn't watch the trailers really that much either. I mostly watched what scrolled down my Facebook, like, you know, yeah. when they, they're pushing things on you, but it just, it just cuts to close up, close up shots of them saying lines on headshots. And so I did not get, I didn't know any of well, I was prepared for going in here. As soon as he pulls up and he's sitting in the car and there's drugs involved, I was like, okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, and the whole thing weirdly dunks on New Orleans, which I know is, has its own set of problems. But, man, they were dunking on the lawlessness and... Oh. They have me running a DUI checkpoint at a place where you can get a drive-through deck. Yes, that line. Oh, I mean, there were some. There were some good lines. There were some really fun moments. The guy who leads the um, support group. I don't know if you watch the CBS show Ghosts, but yeah. my I actually really like it. He plays the... Isaac Higginton on British. Ghosts. Yeah, the British. Yeah. Or no, he's the colonial american officer yeah but you know and i loved his he had a, has a hilarious line of the movie you know where he's trying to draw it out he's like he won't come to full power yes what a weird way to phrase that but yes i you know yeah or when, when dracula's in and he's like so we're dealing a little bit more narcissism here yeah but that scene took like a, a weird turn, yeah. And, it, and then it became even weirder by what they did at the end. I just, I would have loved to have seen a simple comedy movie with some action bits. You can take the horror seriously; that helps punch up comedy when you take some things and play it straight. Where it's just Renfield gradually comes to realize he's in the position of power in the relationship. And a a thoughtful new direction comes from that. And he's just supported by people. Like, that's it. That's all it had to be. Well, let's just reflect for a minute. Poor Sheree Agdajlu went from like Academy Award nominee a, a decade and a half ago to a throwaway part. Who As the he? Mafia Don. She's, oh, she's the yeah. Mafia Don. Man. Your wall has more texture than her character. Yes, it does. So, I mean, it sounds 
it was fun for what it was. Yeah. Except for you didn't I, really know what it was based on how they marketed the movie. If they would have marketed the movie slightly differently, maybe I, it would have hit differently. Um, but I just you're think right. That, it either needed to be a three-hour grungy deep dive or it needed to be an 89-minute comedy. But being like a 93-minute movie that's 25 minutes of hardcore comedy and like 25 minutes of hardcore action and then a whole lot of you know plot scenes just ideas just a whole exposition of one idea exposition of another idea i'm betting on a rewatch knowing what it is in advance i i'm still gonna have problems with the pacing but i i think this is like a movie that's like i know it's not great but i like it kind of by jam kind of thing so well, we're going to segue. So Nicolas Cage got his shot at playing Dracula, but he's far from the only one who's ever played the part. There are a ton of people that have played Dracula between uh, actual Dracula films or Nosferatu films, as you mentioned. But we're going to look uh, quickly at three of probably the most famous ones, starting with this is a perfect transition. The original, uh, you know, Bela Lugosi, nineteen. 19- 31 was the original Dracula film. And it's a perfect transition because if you see Renfield, one of the best things I thought they did in there is an opening montage that gives you a bit of history. And they did some shot for shot remakes with Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage dropping in as Dracula and Renfield. And I was delighted. I hadn't, I haven't, it's not like I've seen this film for a long time. I, um, Peacock has the classic Universal Monsters because they they own Universal. And last year, right before Halloween, I watched a bunch of the classic, you know, Frankenstein, um, Dracula. There's something else. I'll think of it later. But I watched a whole bunch of the classic MonsterVerse. So I had actually seen this one not too long ago. And I was tickled when I saw that sequence in Renfield. I know you said that worked for you as well. <laughs> the happy laughing uh but i i enjoyed the 1931 one i thought they they do a nice job more of a straightforward kind of retelling but what do you think obviously you have the the dvd back there so i'm take it you must be a fan i am so much of a sucker for the 1930s universal horror monsters, except for maybe Creature from the Black Lagoon. The Mummy. That was the other one I watched. I couldn't think of what they were. I actually routinely go back and watch the trailer they made for the Dark Universe <laughs> with the over-the-top, out of completely out-of-place music where they introduce you to a world of gods and monsters and they, like blend them like it's going to be some the next avengers or whatever it legitimately again i'm admitting something that's going to make me like completely awful but um it legitimately gave me chills the first time i saw that because i was just so excited for that kind of creativity in movies and then obviously that i didn't even bother to watch the mummy it had gone so far off the wrong direction when that tom cruise movie came out you weren't missing much, but I will give a plug for the Brendan Fraser mummy. Oh, absolutely. See, that's why I thought it could work. They turning these classic monster properties into action adventure movies had worked once. Maybe With humor. Yeah. 
But see that in that case, you had humor on top of what was mostly an action film. And I think well, in see, this case, if they would have marketed it differently. Th- th- there's room for these characters. It's just that you have to be careful about who the hero is. And I think having a, what you conventionally think of Van Helsing as the, the foil to Dracula, but thinking of Renfield as the unsung hero that like comes out and does that, like in the Brendan Fraser movie, he would normally be Benny. But you get like a different take on it. You know, that could have been cool. But just that movie... That that character actor who plays Fritz in Frankenstein, like the original Igor, and he plays Renfield. Um, I sometimes I remember his name and sometimes I don't. It's I'll look just, him up real quick. Um, let's see if I can remember him before you look him up. For Dwight Fry. Why you're going fast? Yes, Dwight Fry. Hey, I did it. So uh, he's incredible. And he always is one of my favorite things. That shot of him on the ship and that creepy laugh he gives. And it, all the little movements of him crawling towards a woman laying down. Everything in this movie that's horrific is suggested. And yet it's still so effective. And the Swan Lake music from the beginning. And the operatic set design with the Transylvanian castle. And just, there's just, I it's... They're like, they're like a part of decoration for Halloween to me to have these movies and their music and all of the, uh, the invisible man, like that performance of cloud rains doing this very dramatic talking. Like it's, it's like, uh, it's like ambient noise that just works. And, um, now the classics for a reason. And I think Bella Lugosi is amazing and yeah, absolutely. Well, 61 years later, we got Francis Ford Coppola giving us, uh, and this one's probably mostly known as Bram Stoker's Dracula, even though, let's be honest, they're all based on Bram Stoker's novel. And this one, we had Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder, but we also get Gary Oldman there as a very creepy uh, Count Dracula. And I, I remember this one fairly fondly as well. Um, you know, Francis Ford Coppola is an interesting director who's made a lot of interesting films. This one's a little bit darker probably than um, not that the, you're right. The 1931 one definitely implies some darkness, but this one is a more show oh, than gosh. In, implication. Um, I know you said that you had recently rewatched this one. Do you uh, have fond thoughts of Oh, I love this movie. I, I don't know what happened. You know, we were talking afterwards uh, last time about like Dracula movies and me thinking I'd seen vampire movies, but I don't know how many of them centered around Dracula. What a fool I was going back and looking at his catalog, realizing that I've like been digesting behind the scenes information for like a decade of like multiple entries, this being one of them. And so, you know, the backstory of pretty much every special effect except for the one blue ring to conceal him is an in-camera not just practical effect like everything was like layered and whatnot and all that and in this one Renfield was played by Tom Waits which amazing cast I wish he was in there more and um and he's eating bugs to survive and there's always sort of that that trend that they've had that that it's not and this is something that's missing from a lot of other vampire properties the idea that consuming blood is consuming life it's not about you know 
blood for blood's sake and allegories for what else transmits through blood and whatnot. But Bram Stoker's Dracula is the horniest take on Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> it is the probably only now the second bloodiest take on Dracula. And um <laughs> only now. <laughs> yeah. Like uh and I think it is also the one of the most div- high highs and lows. I think this has even more highs and lows than Renfield, but time will tell on that. I, I think in Ren- Renfield, I don't think we'll stand the test of time maybe as well as this movie does for what works in it. Even Keanu Reeves, everyone, including Keanu Reeves, admits Keanu Reeves is wrong in that movie. Well, I mean, at least Francis Ford Coppola didn't cast his daughter. He actually got <laughs> Winona Ryder this time. No, but his son did all the special effects. That's why it was so unconventional I mean, and whatnot. Almost all of his movies have been family affairs. They his are. father is the one that uh, wrote the iconic Godfather score. So yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, he's frequently done. I that's just the famous Godfather three. I still can't help but wonder. There's I have problems with the story for Godfather three. I mean, sure. there's no getting around the the late incest that ends the Godfather trilogy. But the they had originally cast Winona Ryder to play Michael's daughter, and she had to pull out because of conflicts. So he put his own daughter in there. And then yeah, I, Sophia Coppola. Heck and that's what led to this. Heck of a director. Yeah. Not yeah. an incredible actress. I see. I'm curious. I have not watched uh, the Coda cut, the, the death of Michael Corleone cut. I actually, so there are things about the Coda cut that I like. Who knew we were going to get a bonus here? There are things I know, about right? the Coda cut that I like, but there are also things that bother me. One of the only things that I will say is a redeeming quality uh, for me of The Godfather Part 3 is you really get the final definitive take that The Godfather is series is a tragedy. It's Michael Corleone. He's a very he's a paradox from the beginning. Um, You know, it's his love of family that leads him to sacrifice everything that he wanted to become. But in becoming that thing, he ends up destroying his family piece by piece. And the original Godfather part three really ends with him, this broken old man sitting out there having visions of the family dinner. And you go back to the original film and that family dinner and they're all around. And then he kind of just dies alone out there. They sapped a lot of that out of the Coda cut. There are some pieces that they put in with the kind of him and going back with the Catholic church that I thought were a little bit interesting, but the ending, the ending was the best part of Godfather part three. And it's like, they didn't carry that over when they were fixing some other things with Coda. So they're both flawed, but for different reasons. You're, you're, you're actually making me think of, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the, the Francis Ford Coppola one with this, because there there seems to have been something on, on Coppola's mind about that concept of religious forgiveness and redemption that it is a thread through both of those movies. And it's interesting to hear that they punch more up on that because I know the reason for the title 
of the god it was it was never supposed to be called part three he was trying to fight before the movie came out to have it be called the godfather the death of michael corleone because he wanted one and two to be thought of as a a story and then an epilogue yeah but this this idea that then it's like you fight for the death of michael corleone and then you sort of sap the intention away from he still dies the ending just didn't hit me (laughs) as I mean, I mean, he still dies. That's uh, your quote on the box. <laughs> it just, I struggle because, like, The Godfather is top 10 all time for me. Oh, yeah. The first Godfather? The first Godfather. And I love The Godfather Part 2 for, uh, you know, if you've read the novel, actually, it's fascinating. The, the Godfather Part 2, half of it is from the novel. They okay. just decided. So the novel is really about a father and a son you start the beginning of the novel as with a young Vito Corleone so all the parts with Robert De Niro are actually the things that they had taken out of the novel when they adapted the first one the parts of Michael's continuing journey in Las Vegas is what they add because the the book ends with but again people getting this bonus I've if you've read the novel, they make a fascinating choice with the film because the the book and the first film end lo- largely the same way with Kay realizing who Michael is. But in the movie, it's a surprise. It hits her as a, oh my God, this is who it is. That is not the case in the book. She knows who he is. And the very last part of the book is Kay going with Mama Corleone to the church to light a candle for the soul of Michael Corleone. Like, I know who he is. And that's this is my lot in life now. I'm taking over, going with Mama to. So she wasn't a passive victim in it. Mm -hmm. And they changed that in the movie. And that's, I think, a driver for what they do with the part they tack on into. And with mm-hmm. where they go in three. But to me, it's a fairly fundamental shift of character perspective. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in short, Bram Stoker's Dracula is one of the like the highlights of, of the Dracula filmography uh, for me. So I for you. Gary Oldman is very good in it. I mean, annoyingly he's, good sometimes. He's very creepy. You're right, though. Keanu Reeves feels like an odd fit. There are some things well, where Keanu Reeves' style works perfectly. I, like with John Wick, it works okay. I will shut I up, just, I promise, in a second. No, but the, the thing about Keanu Reeves is he's admitted to doing like four or five movies in a row with Dracula being the last of them. And he's like, I could have done more research, more dialect work, more like all that kind of stuff. But just they just spray painted his hair gray. Anyways, go ahead. Well, if those two were the windup, here's the home run pitch. In 2000, <laughs> we got Wes Craven presents Dracula 2000. And yes, your eyes do not deceive you if you're watching us on video. That is a young Gerard Butler as Dracula. Wes Craven's name was used to market this movie. Wes Craven had F all to do with this movie. <laughs> 
in terms of writing it or directing it, which if you went in and thought I was seeing a Wes Craven movie, you went out and said, I just got jobbed by the studio. And you know what? You did. Patrick Lussier is the, the writer director here. And not only is this movie mortifyingly bad on so many levels, there is a horrendous, and you know what? I don't care if I ruin it. It's 2023. This movie came out in 2000. You shouldn't be watching it anyway. I'm going to, this is, would be a rare double down for me. Oh, yeah. But not, not for the reasons you're thinking. Eric's going to go double up, but not for the reasons you're thinking. As you wind your way through this preposterous story, it turns out Dracula is Judas Iscariot who's hanging out there is what turned him into Dracula. They never really explain how that happened per se, uh, but that's why he's got a thing about silver and the church. And anyway, Omar Epps is in this movie. Johnny Lee Miller's in this movie. Christopher Plummer is in this movie as like a really old Van Helsing that nobody realizes is really that old. Gerard Butler trying to suppress everything Scottish about him is in here. Jennifer Esposito, Cherry Ryan, Vitamin C, who's probably best known for singing the song Graduation, pops up in this movie. Eric, it's time to just turn your laughter into if a I, song. If I, if I love you for nothing else, it's for introducing this movie into my life. Oh, uh, so someone, someone poured, and it's one guy who wrote this, poured the depth of thought into what a creature cursed for eternity and his relationship with Christianity and Catholicism and broke down an amazing concept for a twist on the origin of that character. And at the same and then he time, was it like all by having him crucified in New Orleans on a neon cross. <laughs> and then at the same time, wrote, typed on on paper or wrote, walks into City Street, looks up at MTV playing on a billboard, and says one word: genius. I loved this movie. This was hilarious for every reason. Like Danny Masterson, for whatever's going on with him right oh, now. Oh, I, I forgot about that. There's so many like best Dan of the nineties in here. Danny Masterson is turned into a vampire. Full spoilers. Sorry, folks. Twenty three years. Get on it. So also, he, don't watch this movie. <laughs> he comes up and he's like. He goes to kill someone and he's like, I'm sorry, man. I just have to. And the guy kills him and his last words are, I said I was sorry. Like, <laughs> it's as if Hyde got turned into it. It was so, it was so like him being him. And you, I think they wouldn't let him be him. You know, they got the guy from Scary Movie who's like the first death in the movie from a trap on his coffin. And he's, he, he, if that's his natural hair, I've just seen him way too much in my life when that hair's not there anymore because it looks like a hilarious wig so oh, oh my gosh it could be gerard butler deserves an academy award for sheer effort like i mean they all tried hard and you know what as much as we're making fun of patrick was for his script and stuff it's been 23 years 
we're talking about this movie for an inordinate amount of time. I I jumped yeah. at streaming clicks on Peacock because I I just rewatched it, even though I don't feel like I needed to rewatch it. Geekly Good says Renfield was a lot of fun. I agree, it was fun. So thank you for commenting. Um, but yeah, Dracula two thousand. You want fun, like, oh my gosh, the the. I don't even know. I don't even know where to go from here because there were so many things. Like I ended up like, like just like screenshotting things and trying to like, trying to wrap my head around like the level of just pure two thousands and nineties cringe that was on screen. Like, and it was, Oh my gosh. It's they, they go exactly where you think they're going to go. When you think of like, we're going to make a Dracula, but this is the year 2000 now. And they're like, they are proud of that. They're so proud every of every element of this thing. It's like, and this got two sequels. Yeah, that, that have none of the original actors and stuff in I that went straight not. to video. I just think... I sh should hope everyone you know, I'm not this saying movie watched the final product. But perfect movies. But the fact yeah. that this for a long time got billed, even if I rewatching the trailer, Wes Craven's Dracula 2000, you're thinking, oh, it must be Wes Craven's film. He's just a producer, and I bet he regretted it as soon as he watched the cut. It's like, uh, this is too late for me to take my. I don't even want the PGA trying credit. Alan Smithy it, yeah. even though it's not. So, uh, you know, they try and sell this in a box set with Cursed. <laughs> Which I mean makes it even worse because that's actually one of oh, the Wes Craven's. And it's not his best one. Well, and I mean, if you would have so I think I remember seeing this sadly in the theater. Um wow. but I'm pretty sure it's because I thought it was gonna be a Wes Craven movie. And I have to look up the the director and he didn't write the script by himself joel swison and patrick lucier um but i was trying to think there's a couple other horror others uh, so drive angry is uh, uh one of his uh oh, films no. that is a nicholas cage yeah film and like Amber an Heard. nc-17 nicholas cage film and then um, the one that i'll i'll probably always remember my bloody valentine which was back oh. in that craze of 3d movies yeah was remakes of my bloody valentine 3d with jensen eccles nice i you know what all in, those are better. in the horror community i was gonna say like <laughs> my bloody valentine has like a reputation for being like not a waste it's of 3d great, but it like, feels like an academy award winner compared, compared to, to the 2000 i will say if just, you would have told me the guy that made Dracula 2000 made Drive Angry, I would say that checks because I <laughs> I intensely dislike Drive Angry, which you're right. Amber Heard, Nicolas Cage. See, we brought it all the way back to Nicolas Cage. It, it's like Dude, 360 it's like, it's like degrees of time is a flat circle. Nicolas it, all, Caging. it all comes back to Nicolas Cage. <laughs> You can get from Nicolas Cage to Dracula 2000 in one move. <laughs> yeah, you can. And oh my goodness gracious. Like, it just, I, it's just the, the, the performances of all the people he's turning. They're oh. so committed. You know, like they bothered they're to do this sideways so that they could have a character back up against the wall 
and then like turn the camera so that like on reverse angles the person's climbing on the wall and the person's hair is like on in this shot it's down and in the shot where they're up on the wall their hair is like flat up against the wall <laughs> it's there's just so many fun things and and johnny lee miller man you know what he's a really great sherlock holmes i'll tell you that much but he he like i i have a feeling he was like everyone from train spotting we're all getting our big breaks and this was his (laughs) i mean that's not even probably the do you have to wonder like did christopher Plummer actually read the script before he got to set and even and then he's no way bro no no way someone sat him in a room and gave him a ton of money and he said i don't want to be one of those actors that just pays for money and they told him like well we're doing a thoughtful like religious slant on it it's a thoughtful it's a and different you're gonna be like a van helsing that stayed alive for 300 years by treating and family like legacy just you know doing the heroin <laughs> they say that and he goes what and they go no 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 ignore that part just the rest of it it's fine <laughs> it had to be accidental like the oh my gosh Oh. Uh, well, if nothing else, it was good for a laugh, you know. So yeah. you just got to go out when you oh find your dragon. Look at him! Look at him! He's so serious. He's so in. He's like his chest is exposed, and he's like so committed. You can barely tell it's Gerard Butler until someone like tells you. Oh, well, and that, I mean. I don't think I realized he was capable of suppressing his accent that much because even like in Olympus has fallen where he doesn't have a Scottish accent, he has kind of that same side mouth way of talking and really deep. What you don't have any of that in here. It's kind of a little bit fascinating. I don't know if they like dubbed him over, but that would be so interesting to find out. It sounded like him. It's him, but Hmm. Well, that'll uh, do it for this week. If you thought we had fun going through uh, the history of Dracula, wait till next week when we get the history of the Evil Dead. Two weeks, unfortunately. Oh, in two weeks, will we do the history of the Evil Dead? Yeah. Well, until then, pick your pick your version of Dracula. It could even be Leslie Nielsen and Mel Brooks. You never Ooh. know. Oh, yeah. Dracula, dead and loving it. And we'll see you at the movies. See you at the movies.